What is a democracy, really? That's a very heavy question, and there are many different types of answers. Some may seem simple. Some may seem intractable. Some will always shout that they are right, even when they've been proven wrong. All I can offer is as many editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement as I can in order to provide a kaleidoscopic avalanche of information in an attempt to recognize patterns and calm the noise. On today's program, Charlottesville opens up the application process for people to apply to be appointed to an open city council seat. A third person enters the race for House District 54. Louisa County supervisors keep the same leadership for 2023. There are two new leaders of the Charlottesville School Board. The Move to Health Equity Group presents recommendations to council on planning for transportation. Charlottesville selects a new method to get the Dairy Road Bridge replaced. And there's a free day tomorrow to visit the Smith Aquatic Center to try it out. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Tiger Fuel Company wants you to consider support for the UVA Strong Fund, set up by the University of Virginia Alumni Association to honor the victims and support the survivors and families of the events of November 13th. Tiger Fuel recently made a $25,000 holiday donation to the fund, which honors the lives of Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry. You can make a contribution yourself by visiting givingvirginia.edu slash uva-strong. The city of Charlottesville has moved quickly to open up the process to replace the vacancy that will be open on city council when Cena McGill resigns next week. McGill announced she would be stepping down on Tuesday. The application asks for basic information and then asks five questions. How long have you resided in the city of Charlottesville? Have you ever been elected or appointed as an officer or commissioner for the city of Charlottesville? Please indicate why you are interested in serving on city council. Please indicate your areas of experience and knowledge that you see as important for consideration of your application for appointment. Please list any relevant leadership skills or educational training. Applications will be taken through January 30th. A printable form, as well as one that can be filled in, can be found at a link in the newsletter. A public hearing will be scheduled in February, and council has until 45 days after the resignation is effective to make a selection. Otherwise, it goes to the circuit court. Would you consider running? Who do you think should run? These are the kinds of conversations that are worth having now, both for this temporary seat and for the general election that will take place later this year. The seats held by Lloyd Snook and Michael Payne are also up for election in November. As of Wednesday morning, no one had filed to run for any of the three council seats up for election this year. There's a lot more interest in replacing Sally Hudson as the delegate representing Charlottesville in the House of Delegates, with two candidates previously announced. This week, former Charlottesville Mayor David E. Brown filed for the seat. Brown served on council from July 1, 2004 to December 31, 2011, 
and spent the last several years as director of the Virginia Department of Health Professions before Governor Glenn Youngkin appointed a replacement last November. Before that, Brown spent two years as an assistant to former delegate David Toscano, according to his LinkedIn page. Brown joins Albemarle School Board member Katrina Carlson and Fifeville resident Deshad Cooper in the race for the Democratic nomination for House District 54. That covers all of Charlottesville, as well as urbanized portions of Albemarle County. The primary will be on June 20th. How many more will throw their hat in the ring? What about you? It could be argued that the Christmas Carol was wrong, and the first couple of weeks are the most wonderful time of the year. At least that's the case if you're an observer of local government. On Tuesday, the seven-member Louisa County Board of Supervisors held their annual organizational meeting. That was opened by County Administrator Christian Goodwin. And the first order of business on that agenda is a resolution to appoint the chairman of the Louisa County Board of Supervisors for 2023. Goodwin opened the floor to nomination. There was only one from Supervisor Eric Purcell of the Louisa District. Ms. Goodwin, yes, sir. I'd like to nominate Dwayne Adams for chair, please. Okay. Second. All right. We have a motion for, for Mr. Adams uh, to be the chair. Are there further, I'm sorry, not a motion. We have a nomination uh, for Mr. To Adams closed. to be the chair and a motion to close the nominations. Yes. Mr. Williams? Yes. Ms. Jones? Yes. Mr. Barnes? Yes. Mr. Barlow? Yes. Mr. Purcell? Yes. The vote was unanimous. Adams represents the Mineral District, where he was first elected in 2017, with 55.5% of the 1,692 votes cast. He had no opposition in 2021 and is also a candidate for the Republican nomination for Senate District 10. In that race, he has three other challengers. So far, Adams has raised the most money with $191,044, compared to $171,976 for Jack Dyer. John McGuire has raised $69,380, and there are no reports in yet from candidate Sandy Brindley. All of those figures were compiled by the Virginia Public Access Project. Now back to the meeting and the selection of the next officer, also nominated by Supervisor Purcell. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Purcell. I'd like to nominate Tommy Barlow to continue as vice chair this year. That vote was also unanimous. Barlow has been in office since 2009 when he ran unopposed in the Mountain Road District. He faced no opponents in 2013, 2017, or 2021. There are three seats on the ballot this year in Louisa. In the Cuckoo District, Willie Gentry Jr. has been the supervisor since at least 2003, which is as far back as the online records for the Virginia Department of Elections go. In that year, Gentry defeated his opponent with 56.4% of the 966 votes cast. Since then, he has never faced opposition on the ballot. The number of write-in candidates each year has incrementally increased from 12 in 2007 to 43 in 2019. Republican Tony Williams Jr. has represented the Jackson District since 2015, when he garnered 57.4% of the nearly 1,100 votes cast that year. In 2019, he defeated his opponent with 64% of the 1,695 votes cast. 
In 2019, independent Eric Purcell ran unopposed in an open seat in the Louisa district, with 96.3% of the 1,465 votes cast. Purcell also served one term after being elected in 2003 in a three-way race in which he got 42.1% of the 1,213 votes cast. Back to Charlottesville to close out the first half of today's newsletter and podcast. There is new leadership on the seven-member Charlottesville City School Board. James Bryant has been elected as chair, and Dom Morse will serve as vice chair. Bryant was first appointed to the seat as an interim member in April 2018, to fill a vacancy left when Adam Hastings resigned. Bryant was elected to a full term in 2019 in a five-way race in which he placed fourth. His seat is up again for election this year. Morse was elected to the school board in 2021, when he placed second in a five-way race for three seats. Here's a posting from the Charlottesville City Schools Facebook page. In addition to both being educators, Mr. Bryant and Mr. Morse are also alumni of Charlottesville Schools. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society and the Center at Belvedere continue a series of important discussions coming up this January 17th at 6 p.m. What are the challenges and opportunities faced by local educators teaching history? A panel of history teachers will take up that topic. They are Hashim Davis of Albemarle County Public Schools, Matt Deegan of Charlottesville High School, and Sally Duncan of the Renaissance School. The event will be moderated by Annie Evans, Director of Education and Outreach with New American History at the University of Richmond. To attend in person, register at thecentercville.org, or you can watch the program on the ACHS's Facebook page. There are links where? In the newsletter. The current administration of the city of Charlottesville has inherited a city government that has struggled to turn ideas for road and multimodal improvement into completed projects. For instance, the Commonwealth Transportation Board awarded three smart scale grants to the city in 2016, but none of those streetscape projects has yet gone to construction. The city saved up millions for a West Main streetscape project that was canceled last year, with $18.6 million of money reprioritized for the renovation of Buford Middle School. The task of reforming the city's transportation process has fallen to Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders. Last year, he worked with the Virginia Department of Transportation on a plan to fix the city's broken process, including the cancellation of a couple other projects. Last year, the city did not submit any applications through the smart scale process. That was one concession to VDOT officials who have become impatient with the city's inability to deliver. Some in the community continue to press the city to do more and remind the city to live up to the lofty goals of a comprehensive plan that imagines a walkable community. On Monday, City Council got a briefing on the results of the 2021 survey from a coalition called Move to Health Equity. Here is Jackie Martin, the coalition's co-chair and an employee at Diversity, Equity, Inclusion and Community Engagement at the UVA Health System. 
We started as a community action on obesity well over 20 years ago before people were really talking about obesity as a chronic disease. Uh, we've transformed over the years to not just look at obesity or any chronic disease in general, but to go more upstream to look and focus on some of the root causes of some of the inequities in our communities. The group has four action teams, and one of them is called Active Communities. Peter Krebs of the Piedmont Environmental Council is a member. In addition to presenting the survey results, he discussed his vision for how transportation planning should be implemented. Charlottesville's conferences plan talks a lot about walking and biking and transit and getting around, but it doesn't provide precise answers about how to do that. So the purpose of this survey is to provide some answers and some ideas about what a better connected community might look like. This work isn't new for PEC. The Charlottesville Area Community Foundation awarded PEC and the Thomas Jefferson Planning District $180,000 in 2017 for a Strengthening Systems Grant. Here's a section from the CACF website which still lists the project as being underway. The partners complete plans and execute a community engagement campaign that leverages financial support to build a regional bike and pedestrian trail network in Charlottesville and Albemarle. That work culminated in the 2019 Jefferson Area Bike and Pedestrian Plan. You can take a look at a link in the newsletter. The Move to Health survey was conducted in the spring and summer of 2021. Krebs said there were under 430 respondents and acknowledged there were not enough University of Virginia students participating and that the responses did not necessarily reflect the demographics of Charlottesville. You know, I'm sorry if it seems like I'm being highly critical or whatever throughout this process, but I, I think folks that are uh, familiar with, with uh, my work and with uh, the move to health equity, we're very about accountability and uh, about keeping things very real with our work. Krebs said that many of the comments from the survey are worth reading through, such as nearly a quarter of people writing out that they would like to be able to get to a grocery store on foot or transit without using a car. There were other anecdotes as well. People talked about lack of sidewalks, lack of bike lanes, buses not running frequently enough, and concerns about being injured by cars or um, crosswalks not feeling safe. Advocacy campaigns never come without an ask. And Krebs said the coalition wants council to come up with a mobility plan to implement the comprehensive plan. The city last adopted its bike and pedestrian plan in 2015. That was followed by the Streets That Work plan. Krebs said more planning work needs to be done. We need to get the basics right, correct sidewalks, correct curb ramps, removing obstructions and continuous safe routes, and then a more practical transit system. Other recommendations called for items that are already in the works, such as adding more service on key Charlottesville area transit routes. City Council recently opted to spend an additional $1 million on an effort to get more buses on Route 6, which travels to the Willoughby Shopping Center via Prospect Avenue and the Ridge Street neighborhood. When there are enough drivers in place, the plan is for two additional buses to travel along that route, increasing frequency to twice an hour. 
City Councilor Brian Pinkston wanted Sanders to weigh in on the practical realities of conducting a mobility plan at this time. So I know that you and your staff have reams and reams of, um, you know, lists and lists of, of sidewalks that need to be fixed and you're prior to prioritizing um, you're in a process of doing prioritization and assigning the correct funds uh, to meet those needs. How does that intersect with a mobility plan per se? Sanders said new transportation staff that had been hired are trying to understand the work has previously conducted in the last several years. They're a very disparate set of plans because we've done them at different times with different motivations and they're not connected. Uh, Part of the work that Ben will undertake is actually to try to digest and organize some of that material, uh, putting it together in what we hope will then become a, a set of strategies for going forward. Sanders said that work may not be called a mobility plan, but it would be similar to what Krebs recommended. He noted that the transportation planner has only been on the job for two months. We do have a lot of federal funds that are driving a lot of interest and actions. Uh, So some of that is important for us to settle on rather quickly so that we'll know how to pursue some of these additional opportunities. When asked what could be done quickly, Krebs responded that the hiring of additional crossing guards at the beginning of the school year was a big help. He also said the city should do what it can to address West Main Street. Sanders has previously told council that West Main is not a priority for staff time, given council's cancellation of a project that had three phases fully funded. Sanders said the city has limited resources, but finally there is one element in place that has been missing for many years. We have done a great job as a city uh, determining things that we need to study. We have done a great job of finding the funds to pay for plans. And we've done a great job of being able to figure out what all the various issues are. So that's a good thing. The bad thing is that in some instances, we've taken a plan and basically replaced or diminished the prior plan that was never fully implemented just because we have more current information. Um, and, And that's a lot of places do that. So that's not a criticism of Charlottesville. It's just the state of being. Uh, But what we have not done previously is that we've not actually had anyone to own this effort, this work. And we now have that with Ben Chambers stepping in as our new transportation planner. We actually have someone to drive this, literally drive this process forward. How will this process move forward? For me, one story at a time. Now, the following story may be a bit technical, but I just mentioned I will continue to write on this topic. And here is the next story. The two-lane bridge that carries vehicles on Derry Road over the US-250 bypass was built in 1954. That's according to a database maintained by the Federal Highway Administration. Planning for a replacement has been in the works for many years, and the official estimate for the project is $7.211 million. That's according to the Virginia Department of Transportation. Yesterday, the city announced it would take a new step to try to keep the bids below that estimate. They will pursue the work as a design-build project, as opposed to the design-build-bid process that has been used for decades. Here's a press release that went out yesterday. In this method, the designer and builder work on the same team, from preliminary design to project closeout. This method allows better communication of intent and constructability right from the start. 
The design build also eliminates a step in the procurement process and can shave months off a project's project time. This also allows the city to choose a contractor without being restricted to the lowest price. Transportation project manager Jerry Allen said that he is hopeful that after the city is completing this project, they can utilize the design-build project method more often, but that some might still be the original DBB. This will be the first design-build project in Virginia. The Virginia Department of Transportation used that method in 2015 to move the Route 29 Solutions project forward. That included the grade-separated intersection at US-29 and Rio Road, the widening of US-29 from Polo Grounds Road to Hollymead Town Center, and the construction of Burkmar Drive Extended. The release states the goal is to have completion of the replacement bridge by December 2024. One more story today, and this one's pretty much a shout-out, but let's go for it. The city of Charlottesville has invested millions in the Smith Aquatic and Fitness Center, a facility that was closed for over two and a half years due to the pandemic and repairs to indoor ventilation. Tomorrow, the city is offering free admission for anyone who wants to give the place a try. Here's a section from a press release that went out yesterday. Our massive indoor pools have lap lanes, as well as water slides, a lazy river, and kid-friendly splash zones, plus a state-of-the-art fitness center to help you live your healthiest. In addition to free admission, there will be drawings for passes, gift cards, and merchandise. Radio station WCYK will do a live remote from 2 to 4 p.m. For more information, you can call 434-970-3072. And that's the end of this particular installment of the program. And when I began writing this one yesterday and had that line about democracy, I did not expect the first half to be so heavy on the process of how people get to be the ones who make decisions. And this is the time when candidates emerge. Election coverage is so crucial for a democracy to remain a democracy. And I'll be doing what I can alongside my colleagues in media. You may also notice that just above in the, in the reading material section is my first weekly article for Seville Weekly. I will be writing about land use and real estate once a week while also producing this newsletter and 5th District Community Engagement. The latter two are supported by paid subscriptions as well as Patreon contributions. Yesterday, five of you opted to pay. That gets this year for me off to a great start. Thank you so much. And of course, I have to let you know once more that Ting will match your initial Substack subscription. Hooray for Ting for helping me keep my lights on. If your New Year's resolution is to have faster broadband, Ting can help. If you sign up for a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you will get free installation, a second month for free, a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you today to Liz Cerami and Jen Fanazzo for their volunteer audio contributions to the podcast. Now, you actually might have heard some other names. This is a little bit of a peeling back of the curtain. I might get back to my computer and there's a couple other sound bites. So those people will get thanked next time. Uh, Jen would like you to know about Fiori Floral Studio for your floral needs. Next up, the week ahead. There's still so much for me to get through for this week. And I really appreciate you reading or listening. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. Thanks for being here and goodbye. Goodbye.